Welcome to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. I am your host, Diogen Tirandekura. On this show, you will discover the realities, the successes and the struggles of business management and information technology consultants in the fast-moving B2B world. So stay tuned if you want to know more about what it takes to have a consulting lifestyle. Hello and uh, welcome to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast to Juan Guerra. Juan, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're welcome. I hope I have pronounced it properly. <laughs> so I'm uh, happy to have you because you are um, the owner and maybe founder or co-founder of a uh, B-Scene, which is an interesting uh, service for uh, businesses. But first, can you share to the audience part of your career story? Yeah, definitely. So we're based in Austria, in Vienna, but actually um, quite far away from home. I'm originally from, from Venezuela. That's where I was born and raised. I grew up there. Um, and actually, back in 2003, I moved to the U.S. I lived in the U.S. for over six years. Um, I did my bachelor's studies over there. And then I decided to move to Europe, have a European experience. I landed in Vienna about 10 years ago, and I fell in love with it. I really love mm. it here. And um, yeah, by now, I'm married. I have a baby here, and my business is here already for a couple of years since I founded it. And so that's pretty much the the short story of how I ended up in Vienna. Yeah, uh, perfect, perfect. And um, uh, when did you start uh, uh, BC? Did you start while you were in Vienna? Yes. And yeah. so many, many businesses pop up during pandemic when it comes to live streaming and virtual events. But actually, I came across live video in 2016. And so my background is in event moderation. I'm a storytelling coach, workshop facilitator, work with companies doing that. Um, and in 2016, I had already traveled to more than 10 countries delivering events, places mm. like Iran, Norway, Georgia, Israel, Spain, and so on. And so actually I spoke in front of more than 15,000 people when, when you put them all together. But in 2016, this colleague of mine, um, asked me, hey, why don't you stream this event? I'm like, what do you mean? Like, well, <laughs> Facebook just released like a month ago this uh, tool for the phone where you can go live on Facebook. I'm like, what do you mean? He showed me the whole thing and I just fell in love with it. Like I, there was so much potential because at that time I've been in amazing places, amazing conferences that could be shared with the world. So many people could benefit from that. But the content was excluded, was isolated to the venue and just the fact that you don't depend on the physical space anymore and you can reach the world for me was just fascinating. So without realizing what I was about to get myself into, I'm like, hey, uh, maybe since I know event organizers and moderating the events, we can produce like live streams for them. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I put together with some friends, we started and man, like I'm telling you, the first stream was just with our phone vertically um you couldn't like there was no microphone or anything just the ambience <laughs> room but the engagement there was so much engagement and so uh, yeah it was really really fascinating and so from that moment um has been quite an interesting journey um i think one of the things that makes it very valuable is the fact that i'm coming from the stage and then bringing that knowledge and that experience into the creation of virtual events. True. Um, I've also moderated the virtual events. So I have that knowledge. And then as production company owner, I also see the tech side. And so that really puts us in a quite unique place to not only provide a professional production, but most importantly, the, the consultancy to the client and yeah. really guide them through the process 
for them to grasp the new technology and put together an event that is valuable, rewarding, but also strategic. And I think that's one of the things that many people don't see is how a virtual event can help on the big strategy of the company. How can it help them grow and position their brand in the market? So we do a lot of that. Yeah, the key point is the last one that you uh, that you mentioned. So with BCN, you have like an end-to-end, you can provide an end-to-end service, but you're also strategic. So uh, you also said that you are a storytelling coach. That's maybe part of uh, the, the strategy. So do you have like one uh, example? You don't have to give a name of a company, but like a, an example of a company in an industry that could grow or progress through uh, using yeah. uh, your service. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, actually, it's an exercise that I play all the time every time I, I present this scene. Uh, the last one that I came through was actually a, a construction company, a real estate mm-hmm. company. So they're real estate developers. And I was talking with somebody in the marketing department. It's like, what do you mean we do a virtual event? I'm like, well, you have properties to sell. Yeah, we were promoting them. I'm like, okay, great. Why don't you create a virtual event about real estate investment? You can attract investors that are wanting to put money. You can train them. And then at the end, you say, hey, well, we have a bunch of offers. You know, we have some options where you can invest in and then grow your portfolio. And so now you use the virtual events strategically to sell your products and services. You create content that is relevant for your customers. And, and it's a bit of like um, education marketing if mm-hmm. you... If you read the book, uh, the, the ultimate sales machine from Chet Holmes. And oh, so you create know. educational marketing, you create a virtual event, a virtual summit, attract your customers, position yourself, educate them, help them solve a core problem. And then that creates other problems that you solve with your products and services. Oh, and so that, that's a classic example right there of an industry that wouldn't think about it, but it fits perfectly, um, on a virtual event concept. Mm-hmm. Can you tell the, in the audience, you, you, there are uh, like solo consultants, maybe like, I don't know, a human resource consultant, financial consultant. They, they say, okay, yes, I am a professional. I have maybe a small team. I am alone. Uh, if I want to make an event about my, uh, uh, my industry, how will I, uh, attract, uh, people or potential, uh, potential clients? Uh, yeah, so that's that's even better case there because these are a lot of um, knowledge-based business uh, mm-hmm. that have to do a lot of with personal brand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, normally you have big companies that are organizing these huge conferences, you know, Microsoft, Adobe, and so on. But now, thanks to technology, yourself as a small company, you can put together a virtual event that you can reach the whole world at a fraction of the cost. I mean, those events can run into the millions, right? And so you can pretty much, we, we work with our clients at least four weeks, um, eight weeks, you know, maybe three months, depending if it is the first time you do it. But within three months, you can launch an event and then really position your brand. And how do you do that? Well, the biggest thing has, what, what I notice is that because for the client, sometimes it's hard to grasp the virtual event concept. Once we come into the picture, they can really focus on marketing. They get the confidence and the trust that everything is going to work out the moment you go live, right? Because <laughs> that's always a big question, like technology is going to crash and so on. And that was the first thing that I saw that makes a big difference. Having that confidence of knowing that the event is going to work out, that nothing is going to mm-hmm. crash because then you're going to use all your resources um, to bring people over because you know they're going to have a good experience. And you're also going to be more encouraged to ha- get... um more bigger brand authority speakers yeah. 
Yeah. And, and that's one thing that also we then work with our clients. So we don't, we don't get the clients for you and the speakers or we don't get the participants, but we give you tips on how to do that. And one thing is don't go and find the PhD professor that is hiding in a lab to deliver a presentation. A virtual event, it's all about content, about engagement, energy. You know, the people that come to the event are coming because they have a problem that they're looking to solve and they believe that through your event, they're going to find the solutions to that problem. And therefore, mm-hmm. you should provide the solutions so that you position yourself as an expert because when you solve one problem, you create other follow-up problems. And so you mm-hmm. want to have speakers that have an audience that can help you then multiply the reach of your event. And so already those two things, having the confidence and getting uh, speakers that have an audience are key elements to bringing everybody in. After that, obviously, you have the whole social media. You can look into virality with the participants. Um, You have event calendars. You have ads. You know, you can add it in your newsletter. You can add it in your signature. You can. So there's a lot of all these little tactics. Yeah, that that's, people can do. Yeah. Okay. You could also do a podcast. I don't know if you do have one, but uh, <laughs> it's good. It could be one of you, but that's great advice. Uh, content engagement energy is really the important part. Uh, and with yeah. BC, have you, are you working mostly with, uh, uh European or Austria based, uh, organizations? Yeah. So we are there at the moment. We work mainly in Austria, in Vienna. Mm-hmm. We're working with state institutions, mm-hmm. uh, companies. Accelerator, startup accelerator programs, but also institutions like TEDx Vienna. I mean, for the last couple of years, been working with them on helping them produce what is called the intermission show. So um, during the day, they're live streaming the talks, but then we collect that content and we create a studio and we do behind the scenes interviews for of the speakers for the online audience. So we're able to yeah. create a parallel event online that the physical participants don't get. And that's a quite interesting thing. The, the biggest thing has been in the last year to adapt our processes to be able to expand beyond Austria and support companies that are outside, actually, regardless of, of where they are. Yeah. Uh, we're able now to launch virtual events. Yeah. Oh, great, great. Because I am, I'm myself based in, uh, in Canada, in Montreal, mm-hmm. and, um, there is audience in Canada and in the United States. So, uh, that would be interesting to know that you could work with, uh, people and organizations, uh, that yeah, are based uh, that are based there, uh, and, and what about internally? So uh, you said that you created the company with friends or something like that. So how many people are you? Like what are the roles? If there are specific roles? Well, actually, that first company didn't make it. <laughs> ah, okay. So so the partnership um, lasted eleven months. Okay. Um, but interesting. But I decided to continue, and mm-hmm. and that's why BC is actually from December two thousand eighteen. And, and mm. from there on, I'm the founder and, and CEO. Mm-hmm. Right now we have a team of seven people. So it, it depends on some projects where we need extra help. Um, mm-hmm. if they're bigger, um, definitely, especially we do a lot of physical production as well. So meaning we bring equipment, cameras and all that Long stuff. Set. Yeah. yeah, but for virtual events, we work to make sure that we get a proper quality picture. And so, so it just depends on what is needed, but we are right now, uh, seven people. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And that must be uh, also like, uh, it's not a nine to five thing. <laughs> it's events based. Well, it's, so it can be, uh, it's project based and it can be quite intense. Uh, yeah. we have some weeks where we have maybe about seven events. 
Mm-hmm. And so we are back to back, whether it is online or a physical productions. And so many times you finish the event at 7 p.m., you pack and now you go to set up for the next event the next day because you go live at 7 a.m. And so wow. it can be really intense, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it has seasonality. And so there are two event seasons, which is like April, May, June, mm-hmm. um, and then September, October, November. August, you can literally take the whole month you know, on vacation. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so now the hot season is uh, your company. We are in the hot season right now. We are end of September yep. when we record. Um, you said two things that are interesting. I think one is a, a partnership. What advice would you, uh, would you give to a uh, budding entrepreneur thinking of uh, having one or several partners? What type of things you, of lessons did you get? Yeah. I mean, from when I look back, um, obviously the, there are many things I would do differently, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I mean, doesn't guarantee that those things that I would do differently would, would have worked <laughs> because I don't have the validation, right? Overall, um, and this is the more I see now is, do you really need a partnership? Like now that I, I see the knowledge that I have and the overview that I have, um, um, I don't really need a partner in the sense of ownership. Uh, partner. Now, what I've been able to do is I work with my employees and give them the authority and responsibility as if they are partners. I mean, they have full control of, of their area. And for me, it's more of I have a vision uh, based on my experience now. And then I'm helping them get to that vision in their own understanding according to their area. And so I I I know there is a structure here, but at the same time, I try to empower them to where they feel ownership. And I think many people just want to be partners because they want to have access to making decisions, actually. Um, and so if you give them the ability to make those decisions and feel that, that authority, then they may not need at all to have equity. And even then, um, you could just give percentage of profit. You don't even need to give a, a percentage of equity in that case. Yes. Right. So you can always work different deals out. But I think one of the biggest problems that I see is you need to give authority and responsibility or actually the other way around. Cause normally you give responsibility, but not authority. And, and therefore you still micromanage and people need you to make those decisions. And the moment you give both, then you can just set a framework and say, hey, you have authority after cert- until a certain amount or about, you know, these areas come back to me, everything else, I trust you, you know. People want to feel empowered. People want to feel trusted. They they want to be able to come and make decisions. And so if you want them to jump on, on the boat, especially as a small business that is constantly changing, it's adapting, you're figuring things out, you, you want them to feel empowered. Like there's nothing more frustrating than investing time in figuring out a way to help your business grow. And then you're like, ah, okay, yeah, this doesn't work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think that's okay. that's a bit of uh, the challenges that I see there and 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 how we play things out now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, maybe also another um, kind of internal question is due to the seasonality of your uh, uh, of your business, how do you how do you plan during those dry those two dry seasons uh, the cash flow etc. How do, you yeah. don't have to give numbers, but uh, how do you uh, manage that? Yeah. So. Definitely a huge challenge. Biggest thing was to, to build up savings during the season, uh, as much as possible and always cash and, you know, always check expenses. Um, 
finally this year we managed to still have projects then during summer. And so we have grown now. We have access to new clients and clients. Um, we pretty much, so we are building partnerships with our clients. Uh, we build long-term partnership with our clients. And so that means that we also help them plan and come up with ideas on how they can use our services, whether for themselves or to resell them to somebody else. And that was the case uh, that what happened now in the summer is that we work with a couple of agencies that we provide a white label service and they pitch to different clients to offer like a summer program webinar stuff. Mm -hmm. And then we were producing those webinars for them. What um, the way I see on the long term to solve this problem is, you know, event is project based. But what happens is that normally when a person does one event, they at least do a second one during the year. So at least there is a recurrent there. And then once you are in an event, once you're in the budget, then they keep coming back to you every year. As long as, you know, you're engaging them, you provide a good experience and so on. The pain becomes too big to move to somebody else because they know that with you, you can already deliver. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What, okay, what, point. Yeah, what we're doing now is looking into an upsell where we have a lot of content that is being recorded that we can create. And so we're creating a product that is going to create this recurring revenue where we turn the event into a lead generation machine that works 24-7. And so we take all that content and then we can create a funnel for the clients. And then hosted, we create ongoing content that then is driving traffic to that funnel and the client just pays uh, a monthly fee and we're creating content all the time to drive traffic. And then we provide them with the leads, with the new, you know, emails and so on. Okay. I am, I'm, I'm sure that myself and the audience starts to understand even more why using a virtual event can help your business long-term is really, yeah. it's so important what you just said. Now I have a question. If someone doesn't have a big audience, whether it's on LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever, can they, in spite of that, uh, should they try to uh, to have an event in their uh, area of expertise? They should even more. Um, okay. You know, nothing positions you as an authority as having your own event around a particular topic, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you bring other experts to talk, because you should moderate it, you should be the host, then you're robbing your brand with their brand, right? Mm -hmm. And so this is the best way to position yourself. The next thing is, is that when you have an event, you have an excuse to approach people. You know, mm -hmm. yesterday, the other day, we were at around the corner eating ice cream. Randomly, somebody comes like, hey, there's an event here this week and here's a flyer, you know? And we all took a flyer. We all look into it. We are, hey, why don't we come this week? And so an event is a perfect excuse to go out there and approach everybody else because, hey, look, we have this event. It could be relevant for you. It's not, okay, no problem. You don't feel like you're trying to sell something on mm -hmm. somebody. And so definitely uh, works really good. And, and yeah, it's a, you build an email list really fast. Then you engage with them for a while. And I will give you a quick tip here. Do not wait until the event to engage with that list. The <laughs> moment they sign up to your event, you send them emails. Hey, what do you want to learn? What do you want to do? here uh what are you interested in what what are you looking for and start engaging with them start with conversation so that the moment they come to the event you already know everybody and so what we really encourage you there is not only have this email list that you onboard them already but you can create a parallel facebook group linkedin group then everybody knows each other and you're the one who brought them together by the time you go live you know it's a complete different experience i mean people already trust you connect with you you accelerate 
the process. And a key thing here is the fact of live video. The fact that somebody that you're live, it creates scarcity. So now they need to show up if they want to ask questions. The fact that your life makes it feel like it's not improvised, that it's natural, it's raw. Mm-hmm. So I'm interacting <clears throat> with you. So already by default, it's you build trust so fast, it's super powerful. So exactly. if you're looking to launch a product, if you're looking to launch a business, if you're struggling to build a list, a virtual event is a great way. Yeah, uh, I totally agree and very well explained. How has the pandemic for has the pandemic changed your uh, industry? Have you seen mm-hmm. more demand due to that? Yeah, we grew 100% every year. <laughs> okay. I mean, it has been insane. Um, because, well, actually, so Vienna is a very local market. It's quite regional. Um, and in the very beginning, when I went out there, start selling people like, why would I stream my event? All my clients are here. If I stream it, people will not come. I'm like, but you watch football, right? Yeah. And you want to go to the stadium? Yes. Exactly. It, like you still, you want to go to the stadium because you saw it on TV. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's actually what the statistics say. Somebody who watch a live stream from an event are 70% more likely to buy tickets to that event next time. And so, mm-hmm. um, it was, it was quite a challenge. I have to say, it got to the point where I was like, I'm not, I mean, I was really struggling to sell it because the, the people wouldn't see it. And then pandemic hit and everybody started canceling the, their projects because now you couldn't meet in person. Mm-hmm. And we're figuring out something and my cl- my, my team is freaking out. And I tell them, look, it's March. Yes. You'll see we're going to end the year very different. What's going to happen now is that everybody's going to start testing Zoom. They're going to discover live video. They're going to fall in love with it. They're going to see that people in Hungary are watching them. They're going to see that people in Germany are watching them. They're going to see that people in Spain are watching them. <laughs> but if you want to build a business, Zoom is not enough for a virtual event. Eventually, you need to make the change to something more professional because you know, you need proper light, like proper look and graphics and, and you need that professional experience. And they will all come to the end of the year. And, and effectively, like we waited in summer, August, September, people start writing what it was. We did in that last last three months what we did, um, I think, the year before. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, and, and then this year, the first six months, we did everything that we did last year. That's amazing. Uh, congratulations. And uh, for sure, uh, you, you look very focused and very uh, knowledgeable about your industry and your uh, service. Also, that's a great sign of leadership that you manage to communicate to your team in that time of, of panic or, you know, because mm-hmm. it's uh, health, it's health for, uh, so health is important for uh, everybody. Um, how many languages do you speak? <laughs> I speak Spanish. That's my, my mother tongue, <laughs> English. Um, German, because I yeah. live in Austria. And my wife is actually from Bulgaria. So I speak <laughs> a little Bulgarian. Now that we have a fourth month old baby, I'm learning even more because she talks to him in, in Bulgarian. So, uh, ah, nice. So you know what it is to uh, a few songs and, uh, crying, yeah. etc. in Bulgarian. <laughs> exactly. yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, congratulations, by the way. And, uh, Thanks. I also have a 10 month old. Um, yeah, so if uh, people want to, um, uh, get in touch with you uh, and uh, be seen where can they find you yeah the, the best would be to go to be seen live and that is b-s-e-e-n be seen live.com slash book and that way actually you can just go ahead and, and book a strategy session it's completely free um, where we can talk for an hour see how can a, a virtual event looks for you, you know, get some clarity on how that can be implemented, how could support a strategy uh, in your business. 
and provide you with an action plan on how you can move on from there. So no, that's uh, that's yeah. really exciting. You're great. Uh, my uh, and my uh, last uh, question will be uh, because you're on consulting lifestyle. Uh, what does having a consulting lifestyle mean to you? For me, it's, it's being able to go deep into a topic that you're passionate about and and then go ahead and, and implement that knowledge in a way that's also a problem for somebody else. Now, I think there is a challenge of the expert's curse where you go too deep and it makes it really hard to simplify for somebody else. And I've been there and that's a lifestyle I don't like to have. But I, I like when you're, the stuff that you're saying makes sense to the other people and and they are able to taste your excitement and they get a little bit excited because they're able to see the value of what you're giving them and how that's going to benefit them. Okay. So I would say that for me, that, that's... Yeah, amazing, amazing. I think you're the first because I have like more than 80 interviews and you're the first to give such a deep answer. It's usually about freedom and here you're given a great uh, answer. Maybe one, just one last because I think you would have an interesting answer. Do you have like... Can you name three of your favorite books? Ah, uh, yeah, actually. Um, so the ultimate sales machine was, it's quite an interesting mm -hmm. book, uh, from Chet Holmes. Uh, mm -hmm. he passed away already, but he has very good content on sales. Mm -hmm. This guy knew his stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, there's another book in general. It's called, uh, mindset from Carol Dweck. And talks about that we all have a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And the fixed mindset is the person that is afraid of failing um, because they feel that this is um, something that represents them as an identity. Yeah. And the growth mindset is the person that understands that failing is simply feedback that you're not ready yet. Mm -hmm. And what is interesting is that we can have a growth mindset for some things and a fixed mindset for some others. Like, for example, you may feel like, okay, I can grow my business and I can improve, but then have a fixed mindset towards losing weight, for example. Like, ah, there's mm -hmm. nothing I can do. And mm -hmm. I think this is quite fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, and the third book, I would say, as an entrepreneur, uh, The E-Myth from Michael yeah. Gerber. Gerber. That is a pivotal book. Um, yeah. I mean, and I can tell you a couple of more that come to my head, but if oh, I, I had to choose those yeah. already. <laughs> I, just, I just asked for, for three. I'm sure you will have more, but uh, thanks. It was a very, very interesting interview. Uh, and for, for the audience, they can get in touch with you with, uh, at bcinlive.com slash book. And uh, we will put those uh, links into the, the show notes. So that's what's a great insight into how a virtual event, or how you can grow your business, build a business around a virtual event with uh, BCIN. So uh, thanks very much, uh, Juan. Yeah, thank you very much and uh, have a good one. Thanks for yeah, having me. You too, you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. Leave a review on iTunes if you have enjoyed the episode and subscribe to the podcast so that you get notified to hear other episodes with your host, Diogène Tirandekourat.